This is the Reset MD podcast. We welcome you to join in on our conversations with fellow physicians. Many of us in medicine reach a point in our careers where we want to make a change, hit a reset button. Wouldn't it be nice to have some guidance from colleagues who'd been there too and have pearls of wisdom to share? These well-being conversations will cover a range of topics, thriving in medicine, physician health, burnout prevention, work-life integration, practice optimization, advocacy, and support. And we'll just have some fun doing it. Listen in and start your reset. Hi, welcome to the Reset MD podcast. I'm Marian McCrary, one of the co-creators of the podcast. And when we were brainstorming who we wanted our guests to be, uh, other physicians that you could learn from, Dr. Leslie Ann Williams' name came up. And I want to tell you just a little bit about her, but then I'm going to give her the, the mic, as they say, to let her tell us a little bit about her life. But she's a board-certified physician, medicine and pediatrics. She's also a philanthropist and a multi-talented artist. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Williams. Thank you so much, Marion. Dr. Marion, I appreciate this invitation. Uh, it was surely a surprise, and but I am so grateful for the opportunity to share. I think um, the last couple of years I have, uh, I don't wanna say hidden, but I have um, gotten very comfortable in my safe space and not necessarily being quote unquote out there. So this opportunity to share with my colleagues and anyone else who is listening is an, is a, um, an appreciated one. So thank you. You are welcome. We're just so glad to, to have you and, and uh, to hear this is your kind of a uh, chance to get back out in the world of the podcast realm. It's really fun. <laughs> right. uh, well, I, I got to read your bio and know that you have many talents. Being a physician is just one aspect of your identity. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about, you know, how that's worked for you along the way in the different roles and interests that you've had and how that's supported you in um, wellness and, and just really the uh, ability to do all of those things. Sure. Well, I am a girl from Trinidad, so Trinidad and Tobago, and where I grew up in my culture, we never really had to choose between art and science. Art was intricately woven into everything that I did. The way we walk, the way we talk, we sing, you know, Trinis, they say Trinis have a sing song about them, the way they um, enunciate things. And so I have always been involved in the performance arts and creative arts in, in any way. And coming to the United States, I came on a full track and field scholarship. So I, the art of running and you know sports was also involved. And um, when I came to the US, I immediately sought out a creative community. And so I was running um, as well because I had a full scholarship. I was also in the lab as a microbiologist, a train, being trained as a microbiologist and biochemist. 
And in the evening, I would go to rehearsals for the play that was going to be put on by our university. And many people didn't know that I was in the lab doing DNA separation, you know, <laughs> doing all these experiments. And they really only thought that I was acting. And so when I went on to medical school, they were actually surprised. They said, oh, we thought you would go to Broadway because we only see you on the stage. I said, no, actually, I love science. Science is like exciting, you know. So I went on to medical school and in Detroit, which was great because there was also the opportunity there to do, um, to get involved artistically. So, you know, after lectures, let me go to the symphony, see Itzhak Perlman, direct the orchestra, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I really got, I, I think medicine became uh, an octopus and its tentacles started to grab a hold of every part of me and uh, essentially um, just take over. And so I didn't do as much art in medical school as I wanted, but in residency, I started doing spoken word because I needed an outlet. And as we all know, in residency, it's again, it's that octopus and, um, so I, yeah, it, it just completely takes over. And, um, and there's so much fear. We're driven by fear, fear of performance. So we don't want to mess up. We don't want to fail. We've got to give everything, thinking that that's the healthy thing to do is to deny our souls and ourselves so that we, we can succeed. When in reality, when we do that, we lose our shine. We lose our magic in a sense. So I would go to the, um, just in the city of Phoenix, I did a residency in Phoenix and I would do spoken word and I would write po poetry was just coming like flowing, flowing. And actually in my book on becoming, there are a lot of the poems that I wrote during that period of time. I have books and just pages of poem. And I would uh, get on stage and just do the spoken word, you know. Um, I was different in residency because I was a non-traditional non student. And that difference wasn't always, how should I say, embraced. And so I went through a hard time in residency because I didn't fit in a little box. I wasn't the stoic you know, I would sing to the patients, I would dance. And the some of my younger patients would call me Dr. Happy Feet because I would do the happy feet dance and I would walk like a penguin. <laughs> I was like, hi, Dr. Happy Feet. I don't think there's a child that called me my real name. It was either Dr. Sunshine, you know, hello, Sunshine. Mm -hmm. Dr. Sunshine, Dr. Happy Feet. You know, it was all of these names. And, um, and I didn't really fit in um, to in that mold. Um, and it was a difficult it was a difficult time. And, you know, as I as I went on through training and became an attending and then, you know, even as an attending just consumed again because we are on this treadmill and I, I did my best to 
give myself some space to breathe and I would travel. I would, you know, go to Europe and, you know, enjoy the art and, you know, do all of this stuff. And I went to uh, St. Thomas on a locums. I, I left the job at um, that where I was employed and I decided to do locums. So that was the start of my entrepreneurship as a physician. That always worked for someone, but now I was working for myself. I formed an LLC, kind of figured all of that out. And I got there and I was like, whoa, it was a part of a dream that I had to serve people in the islands because I'm from the island. And got there, started up the practice from scratch, uh, didn't know anything about starting a practice, and just went in. I am the kind of person, if I go in, I go all in, right? So I'm just like, and build that practice uh, with a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Loved what I was doing. Loved how my office performed in terms of our um, embracing patients, using music, um, art. Uh, You know, it was not unusual for a patient to come into the office and leave out laughing hysterically because I was telling jokes. I was being that stand-up comedian. Or we didn't talk about anything to do with why they came in. And they said, doc, you know, I don't even remember why I came in, but I feel better. And I realized that there is a ministry in medicine and I approached it as such. My prayer was always, God, let them not leave the same way they came in. If they come in one way, let them leave out better than how they came in. And I would spend time, you know, praying with patients. And the word got out that this doctor would actually pray for you. So taking care of their spiritual needs before I even took care of whatever their physical needs were. And once I took care of their spiritual needs, and sometimes it was just them needing to know, you know, you're doing great. You're doing the best that you can do. You're a wonderful person. Or you're in this situation, and let me tell you something, you deserve better you know, quit that job, start your own business, quit that relationship. It's not serving you. And, you know, I wasn't shy about, because these patients became family to me. So I wasn't shy about telling them, girl, you need to quit that, (laughs) you know? And likewise, they felt, they felt safe to say, okay, doctor, when was the last time you took a break? And they would bring me food. You know, it was just a beautiful practice. And then 2017 happened, and that was a, a pivotal part in so many lives in the in the Virgin Islands, where we had two Category Five storms that happened two weeks apart. And I went into fix-it mode because that's what we do, right? If there's a problem, we don't lay down and and play dead. We go in and we we get to it. And I got in there and, you know, so many miraculous things happened, but my office became a depot spot. All of the supplies that were being flown in from different places, including uh, Bloomberg, uh, New York, uh, there were hospitals that were sending um, things via private jets because the airlines, commercial airlines weren't flying in. 
they would bring it to my office and and then I would have a, a shopping day for my fellow physicians to come to my office, take whatever you need for yourself and your patients. And I, there were long lines and, and patients would come and they would be filled. And we kept going, we kept going. I found a way to go, even though we didn't have internet. I used my data from my phone to get into my EHR and we just kept going. And I was tired and I was really tired, but I kept going because here's what I learned. I, at 13 years old, I ran my first marathon and running that marathon gave me a different mindset, right? I, I had a goal in mind and that is what got me to run through the pain and, and keep going. And I started thinking, um, I need, I need to leave because I want to do other things. Medicine is not the only thing that I've dreamed of doing. I've dreamed of doing so many things in life and medicine is one of them. So it's, a, I checked that off of my list and okay, off to the new adventure. But it was so hard because I grew to love these patients and love, you know what I, in fact, there's still patients of mine who they're still my patients and the business is still open because they're not going to go anywhere. Oh my gosh. You, what a, what a story. And I, as you were talking about it and talking about how hard residency is and how you just put your nose down and just get through it and ignore other things. As you said, that octopus has just kind of pulled everything out. And it sounds similar kind of going through this recovery from this hor these horrible hurricanes that just devastated right. your community and, and just kind of going back into this business mode. I, I'm going to be the person who stages this, gets everything out to everyone. Yeah. And, and you didn't really have a chance in either of those when you had to do that to, to bring your full self in. So as you're saying, you're like, I know, I knew that after these high intensity times in my life, I needed to do something a little different. I needed to kind of find me again. It sounds like what you're saying. And, um, and so I, I, I kind of interrupted there a little as you were starting to tell us about, you know, um, leaving what you were doing, but still staying connected in some ways, but right. being able to move on, do some of the things that have been, you've been so passionate about for all of your life. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I practice medicine on my own terms in St. Mm -hmm. Thomas. It, you know, I didn't do the 15 minute appointments. Patients had the, we took the time that they needed and the practice did very well. Patients took the time that they needed. Um, but I had decided that I would, I would retire in 2020. I was turning 50. I'm like, Hey, 50. Perfect time. <laughs> I know. New phase new season, I'm going to close up and move. So that was 2019. I made that decision. 20, January 2020, I, I went to DC because I wanted to bring in the new year in a, in a space that I knew that I wanted to be, to move to. And so it was wonderful. Great, great, great. February 2020, I went home to Trinidad. Oh, 
just a revelry, just the, the ebullience, the, the vibrancy. Oh, fed my soul, the music, the food, the people, the laughter, the greenery, the flora, the fauna. Listen, if you haven't been to Trinidad, you must go. <laughs> it's on my list. It's, I'm going to go after this for sure. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, during that time, you know, again, I'm still, I know that I, I've got to close a practice. I know that I'm leaving. And the realization is, as I prayed, I realized that I have to close it in the end of July and not in September, like I thought. And so I made that decision in February. Then March, COVID hit. And that was crazy. But I was unmoved, unbothered. I stayed at home. And it was a great time to then spend time praying with other doctors. And actually, this is how this book on the wall came about, is I, I would get up at 7 a.m. and have a prayer call at 7 a.m. and one at 7 p.m. every day during that time of when COVID had first hit, just encouraging other physicians as I encouraged myself. Because, you know, as you teach, you also learn. And so that was a great season. But I was also dealing with this transition period because I, I knew I was moving. That was this, I just didn't know how to press forward, what to do. And I cried many tears. I cried, I cried. I was like, oh God, I don't know what to do. I reached out to an old coach of mine and we started talking and, you know, I ended up getting to Alexandria and that's a whole other miraculous um, set, <laughs> scenario because uh, I was pretty set. I was moving to DC and when I went to Alexandria, I knew that this was it. It was, it was not in hustle and bustle. It was just right. It was like that porridge, you know, not hot, not cold, just right. Just right. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> And I remember um, going to the art store when I moved here and just buying some art. I've always had art supplies because from time to time I would paint. Oh, I missed it. While I was moving, I had a couple of patients come and help me pack. You know, they would just come to the house and, you know, help me pack. And I had a, a 36 by 36 canvas that I had painted one evening on the, uh, during the pandemic, actually, on the my porch overlooking seeing the ocean. I remember I was playing Sade. I was sipping on a glass of rosé and I was painting this oil. And she said to me, doctor, hey doc, are you gonna sell that piece? I was like, sell it? Mm, no, I've never thought of selling my art. She's like, that would really sell. I'm like, really? She's like, yes. I'm like, really? She's like, yes. I was like, hmm, okay. I'll give it some thought. So I get to Alexandria, I go to the art store and I buy supplies and I buy an easel, but I had an old easel, but I said, let me get a wooden easel, like a real. And I started painting and painting and painting and painting. And I kept painting. It was like a dam opened up and there was a flood, a deluge, everything just poured out of me. And it was the happiest place and the safest place. Sometimes as I 
as I painted, I cried. I listened to a lot of Bangra music, uh, a lot of Brazilian samba, like music, soca music, whatever the mood, whatever the mood was, I put on the music, a lot of Bach, a lot of Beethoven, a lot of Liszt, just, you know, and I, and I was reading this wonderful book that kind of gave me, um, a space to, and Lord, I'm blanking out on the name of the book. It's probably back there, my. But I was listening, reading this book that kind of gave me permission to create and not put a label on it and, and just be free in that space. It was amazing. And then a colleague asked me, Are you selling that piece? I said, which piece? And it was a, a, I had painted on, on paper, a 22 by 30 abstract. And I said, oh, okay, you wanna buy it? She's like, yeah. I said, okay, all right. And meanwhile, I was sharing with my, my Facebook community what I was doing and, and they were like, whoa, whoa. So she bought that and then she asked me, to, she commissioned me to do a second piece. And so I did a second piece for her. And then someone from St. Thomas, Call me, commission, asked me to do three pieces for them for their, their villa. And then it just one after the next, people buying, asking me to create pieces. And I thought, what in the world? I just started an art business. So now I had to Google, how do you start an art business? And I, I built a shop, I created a, a art website. And, you know, got a name and, and, you know, voila, it was uh, amazing. It was, a, it was just, it's, it's still amazing to me, actually. It is amazing. I don't think there's anything that you couldn't do once you put your mind <laughs> to it. And you were talking about, you know, I see this, all these skills, these talents, it's, you're truly a Renaissance woman in that way. And that, and the way you were talking about the like playing the music and it just coming through you and the art and it's like you were a vessel for this it's like you're yes. just part of this process and and then kind of coming back to like okay what's the logistics <laughs> I've got I've got to build oh, this yeah. business and but knowing what you've done already it's just like okay yep I'm going to figure this out I have permission I know how to make things happen and, and gosh, I just see the smile on your face. I know, I, I know folks can't see it because we're listening, but, um, right. but I think you can hear it through her words and yeah. through the laughter, but yeah, this is so amazing. So this is, this is truly a reset for you bringing in some of the things that you've done before, but just thinking, mm -hmm. okay, how am I getting joy out of this? How am I sharing this with other people mm -hmm. and then giving them joy as you were in your, in your medical practice and putting smiles on people's faces and having them leave your office better than when they came. Absolutely. And, and the great thing was I then decided, well, I'm going to share, I started seeking out art communities and, and Clubhouse, which is an audio social media, uh, was, was huge. And I met some amazing artists and we talked and collaborated. I learned a lot about the art industry. And even so, I recognize that I don't like boxes. 
I don't want to be fit into anybody's box, not as a doctor, not as an artist, not as a singer, not as a person. As a woman, I don't want to fit into the box of what should be and shouldn't be. As long as I am operating from this place where in this, where these four chambers, you know, receive and 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 give out blood. If it's coming from this place and I keep this place in check and I reset this place often, because I think the reset has to happen every day. Every morning you wake up and you reset. Now, where you reset to is not going to be the same place that you were the day before. It's going to be another place. And hopefully you go from glory to glory and you go higher and higher and deeper and deeper into what you do. And I started having these paint alongs on Sunday evening, you know, come, you know, because people were interested in how I was doing what I was doing. So I'm like, come on, join in, you peek in, and I'm going to paint. I'm going to tell you what you need. If you are not a painter, get the supplies. And for an hour and a half, we're going to paint on a Sunday evening, bring your own booze, bring your own supplies. And we're just going to paint. And the prerequisite is don't judge your work. Take out your critic, turn off the critic. The critic is always going to uh, cause you to be constipated. And the longer you stay constipated, God knows, doctors, you understand. The longer you stay constipated, the harder it is to get stuff out. You become impacted. And then we got to cut it open and literally grab it out of you. So get there from art to constipation and impact <laughs> right listen we have to let it flow and so yeah. I said don't think about what you're doing just let it come out of your heart get your brain off let your let shut silence it for a minute let your heart speak and we got together and the amazing work that came out of these physicians non-artists they say <laughs> was amazing and they invited their children the little kids would come in and they would paint and it was amazing and so I I just I just that was uh probably one of the most rewarding things is to share my love and to have people recognize that in you is there's that seed as well if you just water it mm -hmm. so many had done art many many years ago and they just put it down and medicine crowded it out. And now they're like, wow, this was really good. So that was, um, that was quite rewarding. That is, um, I love that. As you said, you're just watering those seeds that were planted long ago. Right. And I am, I'm not a visual artist. Uh, I have really enjoyed kind of reconnecting to writing, which of course I know you're an, an author and a writer as well. And have been doing, trying to do something similar with narrative medicine with like reading a poem or reading a piece of prose and then having the folks who are there with you um, actually just reflect on it and write out their reflections. And so a lot of people are like, but I'm not a good writer. I don't, you know, I'm kind of nervous about having other people listen to what I wrote, right. but kind of coming back to what you just said, it's not about judging it. It's not that somebody's going to say, oh, that, that verse didn't go with that. You know, it's more of just like, you have the opportunity to let out what you need to inside of you. And it gives you that sense of relief and, exactly. and you're creating this community and you've got this creativity. And it, again, it's, it's just watering those seeds and letting something grow in you that 
and may have been pushed down by some of the hardships or the, you know, logistics, as I said earlier, just yeah. you've got to get done. And so giving it its time, its space is, is so helpful. Right. And, you know, when you are being your creative self, there's no right or wrong to it. There's no right way to be creative. There's no wrong way to be creative. You just allow yourself to flow. One of the things that we did during these sessions is tell me, what do you see? And I would post my art in, in certain art communities and say, tell me, what do you see? And those were the funnest because it's amazing what people see in your work and what you see really reflects what's in you. And there were some very profound, very poignant um, sights, if you will. I remember one physician actually wrote a poem, a piece of prose to one of my pieces. And I thought, whoa, that's deep. That's amazing. I would perform that piece. Like I would perform that piece with my, my art. And um, so um, I was also at the, at when I first moved as well, I met one of the ambassadors to the embassy in, in DC. And she asked me if I can be the artist in residence. I said, shut up. She's like, no, really? I said, shut up. She said, yeah. I said, what? Listen. I could not have planned this. How could I have planned this? But when you flow in that gift, if you allow yourself to just take off the brakes for a minute and just be your authentic self, then you attract the good. You attract that stuff to you. And I just had a wonderful time painting a piece that I dedicated to my grandmother for, for Gatha. Her uh, name was Agatha and we called her, she was from Grenada and we call her Gata. And so I, wrote, I created this piece called For Gata, which was a scene in the Grenadian port in the city of St. George's. Um, and that was just, uh, just, just a beautiful piece. I'm grateful. That is, you know, just, I, I think about it as just being open to the possibilities. You did not go into that conversation with that person that you met thinking, oh, I'm going to create art and they're going <laughs> to have that in their embassy or, you know, but, but when you're off, like you said, that being your authentic self, just bringing your whole self to whatever you do, mm -hmm. then you never know what aspects of that are going to uh, intrigue another person or create that exactly. connection. And then just give you these, this sense of, of sharing, um, we're going to have to talk more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. You um, know, we, we just, we get so caught up in life that we forget to live. Yeah. And that is the thing as I grow older and wiser, and I do know that I have the gift of wisdom because part of wisdom is learning from your mistakes and, and gleaning lessons from it. But we get caught up so much in life that we forget to live. And that's the one thing that I've learned and I'm learning is to live and not be so caught up in getting accomplishments, you know? So another three letters behind my name does what for me, does what for my soul? Yeah, I can go get an MBA, I may do that. I can go get a JD, I may do that. But I, I have to be really clear about my motives for doing that and really clear that that's going to continue to feed my soul and not 
tear me away from the things that have grown my soul or nurtured my soul. One of my pastors from the past said to me when I was going through a really, really bad divorce, he said, remember to do the things that feed your soul. Those were important words for me. And, and during that time, I did do art as well, but it was always hidden for me, just me. I didn't share with other people necessarily. So my advice for people really is to find a thing that you enjoy. It may be dance. It is never too late to pick up something new. You know, I never would have thought that I'd be selling art for crying out loud. Like I'm an artist. I like I have artist cards. I got an artist business card. Oh my <laughs> God. Like who does that? You know, <laughs> you're trading out one business card for another. It's just, it's, right? it's yeah. but, but I say I'm a physician artist or an artist physician. I was doing art before I became a doctor and being a doctor is an art. There's there's mm -hmm. an intuition that that artists have that physicians also have if we will tap into it and and trust it, trust that artist intuition as doctors. Just yeah, trust what's important for you to be intentional about. That's what you're saying is is yeah. wake up each day, decide you know what's going to fill your cup that day, yeah. and try to do as much of that as possible. And as, as you, as you've got your sunshine cup, <laughs> as we're talking, <laughs> so I think you have, you know, and we always ask our guests, like, what would you tell others? You've given us so much, so, so many of those pearls of wisdom that you talked about and, and the books that you have written, I'll make sure that we put those in the links in our show notes for the podcast. So others can look for those and, and learn even more about, um, what has helped you and what you'd like to share with others. Um, as we, as we close up our time here together, are there other things that we haven't talked about that you would like to share here in the last few minutes? Oh, MG, <laughs> you know, I, um, I didn't talk too much about the foundation that I started, um, in the midst of the hurricane, actually, after, yeah. In 2017, because we were getting so many donations and so many um, supplies, physician groups were um, doing Amazon um, wish lists, and I got so many books donated that we were able to give to the schools uh, who lost their libraries, and I, I just love that. I would go to the shelters and give books to the kids. And um, we've, you know, donated through the uh, Bahamas, St. Vincent, uh, Trinidad, when we had um, the refugees, but using, using a bad situation, which was the hurricanes, to create a good situation, which was a foundation and, and donate in, in that regard. And even using art sales to um, contribute to that foundation as well. So that's one of the, the good things that have come out of, um, of this season and this season of pivot and being able to pivot and, and reset. Um, I, I wanted to read something um, that I wrote. Um, it says, we cannot allow ourselves to be so caught up in other people's lives that we forego our own existence. We must not put off the work that we should be we should do getting to know and love ourselves because quite frankly, it is easier to divert the interest. 
there may be pain intertwined in this journey to self. And sometimes it's far easier to avoid it than go through it. But the value of going through is that the likelihood of growing through is there as well. Growing into your who is powerful. Never allow anyone or anything to stop you from finding, loving, and growing your authentic self. Oh, what words of wisdom. I love that. I love that thought of growth. We've come back to that. Uh, we've touched on that as we've talked today. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. And again, I'll make sure I know listeners are going to want to find you and, and interact <laughs> with you in some way. So we'll put that information in our show notes so they can do that. Yeah. And I, it's just been an honor to talk with you. And I, as I said, I would love to uh, expand yeah. on this in the future. So you, we yeah, may yeah, have yeah. a part two as uh, you continue to reset and, and find kind of what's the next big thing for you as you, as you intentionally um, explore all these aspects of your authentic self in that way. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Mary, and I do appreciate you. And this was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening in on this conversation at Reset MD. If you'd like to reach out to us and continue the conversation for well-being, email us at resetmdpodcast at gmail.com.